Straw Hut Media. When it first premiered off-Broadway in 1968, Mark Crowley's play, The Boys in the Band, was groundbreaking. It was the first of its kind. Not only did it deal with homosexuality, it dealt exclusively with it. As the title suggests, those normally relegated to the background come to the forefront. Now, more than 50 years later, what is it like to tell that story again? Is it a lesson in history? An introspective look back at the progress that we've made? I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Hi, Levi. Hey, how's it going? Going well. How are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? I can. It's a little uh, fuzzy, but I can hear you, if that makes sense. Fifty years after the original off-Broadway production, the boys in the band got a revival from the one and only Ryan Murphy, creator of Nip Tuck, Glee, Pose, and so many other huge shows. He put together an all-star cast and premiered the show on Broadway in 2018. This is Charlie Carver, and I am Cowboy in The Boy Band. The play was once again adapted into a film, which came out on September 30th on Netflix. And just like the original production, Ryan Murphy brought his Broadway cast along. Here's the director of both the Broadway revival and the film, Joe Montello, and producer Ned Martell. He is the first person to take up the challenge to write about gay men's lives in a way that was uh, completely commercial. This is a monumental thing. Mart's plays show gay audiences that they could be seen. And next came difficult conversations about how they should be seen. What I think is the story centers on a group of friends celebrating a birthday. So Michael, played by Jim Parsons, hosts, and he sets the tone. Every other line is a jab. Funny, yes, but mean too and usually twinged with shame. It's just that today I finally realized I was raised to be a failure. I was groomed for it. Oh Christ, how sick analysts must get of hearing how mommy and daddy made their darling into a fairy. I think that there is something that happens in a room of gay men that uh, is kind of a sense of playfulness. Um, and, it, and it can be barbed and it can be mean, but there's a gamesmanship to it. Um, and, and, and in this story, I think that kind of becomes something else and is informed by circumstances, informed by the very little sense of lived acceptance that these men experienced in 1968. I would like to believe that now we've moved into, I don't as a society towards uh, much more tolerance and downright acceptance of LGBTQ people. But that's not to say that the roast-style humor is only shame. The night takes a turn. I won't spoil it for you, Pride listeners, but the jokes, which already flirted with danger, become even more caustic. That, I don't know, sense of play that can turn into what we might call shade or reading somebody these days, yes, it, it can be pointed, but there is uh, an understanding underneath that it is, in some ways, a form of, can be a form of affection and, I don't know, a, a an aspect of culture. 
Earlier this month, Netflix published a conversation between Charlie and Mart on YouTube. In it, Mart tells Charlie about the reactions he got from people in the business when he started pitching the idea for Boys in the Band. I had been talking to these various people in the business, sort of running this idea by them that was very vague, you know, but a play about gay men. Yeah. And they all said, what? No, you know, get out of here. Get lost. Don't do that. But not until midnight. He's supposed to be a midnight It was even harder to get actors willing to be involved. Being associated with a play about gay men was a potential career ender. But they managed to get their cast together, and the play was a hit. In the original movie production that followed in 1970, five of the nine actors were gay men. Fifty years later, the cast for the new production is 100% out gay men. The cast is stellar, and they take the diversity that Mart originally tried to express to a new level. In addition to Jim Parsons, there's Zachary Quinto, Matt Bomer, Robin DeJesus, and Andrew Rannells. And of course, there's Cowboy, Charlie's character, the handsome but naive hustler. Can you talk a little bit about your character, Cowboy, and what inspirations you took in bringing him to life? I think we all really enjoy delving into the history of this period uh, and the social history of gay life in the United States. Uh, For me specifically, that meant looking at and reading about sex work and the male hustler scene, both in New York, but also across the country. I think we need to do a whole lot more to uh, offer respects and protections and dignity to sex work. It is a real and um, honorable way to make a living. And I think one of the things that happens when you look at a period piece is it's kind of initially hard to feel the real breadth of the human experience in a time period because you're you're projecting, I don't know, how much might have changed since this point in time. Just getting into that period and getting in touch with history on a human scale as opposed to a historical scale, it it opened everything up. Over the last 50 years, so much has changed in the ways the LGBTQ plus community move through the world and are represented in media. And when you watch The Boys in the Band, it's sometimes a little eerie to see so many tropes in queer culture represented on screen. I think that means that we have a responsibility to really understand uh, those those men and their contributions to the LGBTQ canon and to the American canon. Um, And that's part of what the project of the boys in the band is. For the most part, Mart's original script remains largely untouched. It's a true testament to the lasting effect this play has had on queer American culture. It's important to commemorate and revisit our history, not only our literal history, but our cultural history. And Terrence McNally and Mark Crowley were just such amazing playwrights who we can, you know, we can put the adjective in front of their name and say that they were gay playwrights, but they were formidable American playwrights. And it's our job to ensure that that um, is how they are received and read and a part of the conversation. Is there anything that you would want audiences to take away from the play or this movie in 2020. Yeah, I want them to take it all away, you know? <laughs> oh, God. Take it away and get out of here, oh, you know? Man. 
What did Crowley say to you after seeing the revival of the play on Broadway? Oh gosh, I just I love I loved Mart so much, and um, I think Mart always felt a sense of allegiance to the memory of the original boys, and I really really respected that and admired that because they. They, like he, did some groundbreaking stuff together, and we stand on their shoulders. Mark was just thrilled to have a kind of new take on things. And, and we had a blast together at events and in, at private dinners and such. I think Mark might have felt this way, but we also certainly felt this way uh, on behalf of Mark, that there was something full circle in 50 years later. Um, having this man recognized and having his play uh, on Broadway for the first time. Uh, I think a lot of people think that the original voice of the band was on Broadway, but it wasn't. It was off-Broadway and it was still a massive hit. But to have your show come back to Broadway 50 years later for the first time and uh, then, you know, Mark won the Tony. It was a, it was just a huge honor to see somebody get that recognition and enjoy the celebration. Um, and I miss him very much. Do you ever have conversations in your head with actors who are no longer with us? I'm a really sentimental slob, and you know that because I break up and tear up too easily. I mean, I completely fucked up at the Tonys. I got to the stage, and there, <laughs> the nine of you were behind me, like we were all going to be the Temptations or something. And... <laughs> Teleprompter is saying, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap Oish. it up. So I wanted to dedicate the thing mm -hmm. to the guys that were brave enough to do the play in the beginning. Yeah. And I owed it all to them. Like I owe all of this production and this revival to you and the other eight actors and Joe Mantello. You know? And I was so happy that you all were there that I forgot to say thank you. <laughs> Do you remember the last thing that you and him spoke about before he died? Yeah, um, Martin and I wrote emails to each other and have had a, a correspondence going. And it was just a check-in. It was just a sweet sort of check-in and check-up. And I'd mentioned that I was giving a crack at writing something. And he just imparted into me to write always from what you know and expand from there. And having that saved you know that he sent to me it's uh it's a source of encouragement when we come back would cowboy have been at the stonewall riots and what about the real charlie carver welcome back Today we're talking to Charlie Carver, who plays Cowboy in the new Netflix movie, The Boys in the Band. The story takes place at a birthday party during the summer of 1968, just a year before Stonewall. I wanted to know, could Charlie see any of the characters participating in the riots? I don't know. That's, that's such an interesting question. I think uh, even talking to Mart about his experience of being in New York in 1968 and Stonewall happening, it's not like it was a 
front page news. And I remember it was buried in the Times, the New York Times, you know, like page 18, 19 or something. It was some very peculiar heading on it, like uh, unpleasantness at village bar or something, you know. It was not like an event that would define an era of liberation. I would like to believe, just in, in the fun of imagining my character, Cowboy is certainly somebody who would be hanging around in the West Village in these bars, uh, you know, whether that was looking for clients or just as part of the community down there. And there's a version of events in which I can imagine him being at least somewhere nearby. Do you think that you, Charlie, would have taken part in the Stonewall riots? In all likelihood, probably not. If I could, if I could have, if I could go back, I, I, I would. But, uh, in that time period, so much of gay society was segregated across lines of class and therefore across lines of race. And the village was very different than some of the more insulated and uh, kind of private gatherings that were happening among middle class gay white folks in New York City. Um, that's not to say that there wasn't a sense of a gay identity, but it really, Stonewall pointed to, I think, a real anger on the part of the community or what became the gay community about being unable to get and and having to meet in secret or under the threat of i don't know real laws and real consequences what lessons do you think we as lgbtq plus people um from from taking from that experience into today as black americans rise up against police violence what are some things we can learn from stonewall I think it's easy to look back on that period and, and view it as the emergence of the LGBTQ movement. And and, and that's not necessarily true. There was a, a I hesitate to use the word, the, the gay agenda, but there was a, the concerns of the gay community and the lesbian community and the transgender community. And, and you know, all of these things that kind of came together in a, in a real coalition. And it was a hard one coalition, one that is not necessarily perfect, but for the most part, has given us so much strength in terms of uh, legislative power, but just a sense of solidarity. And I hope moving into or thinking about uh, the uprisings that have been happening across the United States as of late and in thinking about what continues to need to be done in terms of ensuring equity and civil rights for all, is that we can um, hold our personal identities as specific and sacred, but also really um, give over to a sense of trust in a coalition. And uh, while while that might mean and necessitate putting some people, uh, giving some people positions of leadership, um, uh, that we can have faith that we are all moving in the same direction, even though the, some of the considerations might be a little different. Have you been able to attend any of the, the Black Lives Matter protests? I have, yes, and it was incredibly powerful. Watching the boys in the band with just nine people gathered together for a party, it's almost a COVID-friendly sight. And social life and chosen family have always been a major theme in queer stories. But over the last few months, as we've all just gotten so sick of the mundane days with no social lives, some folks have made their way over to Fire Island to party like it's 1968. The potential for 
being a vector and getting somebody else sick is it requires a real different kind of collective consciousness. I don't want to shame anybody because I don't believe shame is a very useful emotion in this instance. Um, I just, I think it's, it's a little sad and, and it is certainly inconsiderate. We owe it to each other and we have such an opportunity to learn in this moment how to think about other people before we put our, our personal first. While I'm sure some people are taking precautions and getting tested and, and respecting social distance, that is not um, that is not necessarily good enough right now. And there are vulnerable people in the world who we owe it to to take the best precautions we can. What I really just want to say is, is the time for that will come. And there will certainly be cause for celebration when we get this pandemic under control. And one of the fastest ways we can do that is keeping social distance, wearing masks, and avoiding any kind of situation with strangers or even too many friends in close proximity indoors, outdoors even too. Keep it together, folks. I know it's hard. We're all losing it. But we have to hang in there just a little bit longer. Right now, Charlie has more exciting work with Ryan Murphy coming up. I think Ryan Murphy is a game changer and is such an important force in television and film and in the culture. And that, you know, ultimately he's done much to move storytelling towards a more inclusive place, both in terms of narrative and, and um, having authentic representation on screen. And uh, he's just a, a wonderful man who gets back in such a good way. So I, I think he models a lot for us, um, not only as a creative force, but also as a man. You can see both Charlie and Michael Benjamin Washington in Ryan Murphy's new Netflix show, Ratched. I would totally encourage people to go watch Ratched. Um, I'm really happy I'm in London right now filming The Batman, which I think, according to schedule, will come out next year. And there's always stuff in the pipeline. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm very grateful for where I am right now. And, uh, excited to see what happens in the coming, coming year or two. Whenever <laughs> we get out of this thing. We will get out of this thing, Pride listeners. And we'll all be a lot more likely to get out of it if we vote. Yeah, vote. Vote, vote, vote. Vote in person and early if you can. Make sure you're registered and on the rolls. You know, I don't think anybody wants to feel quote unquote political, but this is a political moment. And show up for somebody else. Take 10 minutes out of your day and, and get it done. Let's save Let's save America. Thank you so, so, so much, Charlie. I really appreciate you. (laughs) Go Biden. You can say that. Do it loud and proud. (laughs) Go Biden. Yes. Loud and proud. Next week on Pride, I sit down with pro NFL football player and proud bisexual Ryan Russell to discuss the struggles of coming out and toxic masculinity in professional sports. Thanks for listening. 
Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Pride, and on Facebook, at Pride Podcast. You can follow me, at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Folks, if you're listening, just like.